0: Hello weird internet friend, I want to share a very cozy and inspiring story with you. There once was a man who was known as Mr. Dumpling. Mr. Dumpling immigrated all the way over from former Czechoslovakia, where he trained as a German sausage maker. Eventually, over time, he opened a butcher shop of his own. Eager to keep their culture alive and not wanting anyone to miss out on some good gravy, Mrs. Dumpling insisted they include traditional Czechoslovakian bread dumplings with every roast they sold. The dumplings were a hit. They became so popular that Mr. Dumpling himself began selling them out of a red wagon throughout the city. And that is how our favorite dumpling house, Chateau Dumplings, started back in the mid-1900s right here in Chicago. Chateau Dumplings are so good, we are in love with them and always have been. Since they're basically a delicious gravy sponge, they make for the perfect accompaniment for meats and stews. No gravy shall be left behind. They also make for the tastiest of holiday stuffing as they're perfectly moist, never soggy, and always extra cozy. Chateau dumplings are local to Chicago grocers like Jewel and Mariano's, but to shop online and peruse recipes, please head to www.chateaufoods.com
1: hi there welcome to our podcast cozy conversations with the sister project my name is Michelle
0: and my name is Lauren and we are your hosts
1: hey host hey, ho. <laughs> this is our version of a radio talk show and every week you can join us for a sisterly chat where we talk about literally everything
0: we're gonna tackle current events what's going on in the world around us we'll share some personal insight and stories and of course share random bits of things we think you should know along with whatever else sisters talk about there's a lot so
1: if you're into easy listening lots of laughing and some inspiration sprinkled throughout we are going to be fast weird internet friends welcome
0: well, hello and welcome to Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project podcast. I am your host, Lauren Massarella, being joined by my co-host and sister, Larry King. I mean, me, Michelle right You know what?
1: You blew it. I was going to sing,
0: let's talk about sex, baby, but you called me Larry King and now I can't. It's not going to work. Michelle, we, in our studio, we have... Different types of like mic. What do you call these things? Mic stands. Mic stands. Mine's a stand that's on the floor, and Michelle's is a stand that's on the table, so and she looks. tabletop like, She looks like Larry King Live. <laughs>
1: do Do I look like Larry King Live, like from the eyes up, or just from the mic All I down, see is or everything? Awesome. You are just giving another me... man that my <laughs> sisters have told me that I look just like. LKV
0: vibes. Okay, I'm fine with it. R.I.P. R.I.P. And R. P. I wouldn't say GTS. GTS. He lived a full he was life. Here for a long ass time. He lived a full life. You know the funny thing about Larry King is he never really researched his guests. They would just come on his show and, and he, he would be like, it. who are you?
1: Tell us about your book. Didn't he get kind of some crap for kind of being a little bit less formal or something? Yeah, but he was very successful. He killed so, it. I mean, what's, Larry King. Why hate? GTS. No.
0: no R-I-P. R.I.P. R.I.P. You guys, the reason why Michelle wanted to sing Let's Talk About Sex, Baby mm-hmm. Um, because we had two incredible women join us on the podcast today, we had Laura Schwartz, who is a business development development manager for Candor Health Education, and she was joined by Rachel Simmons, who is a health educator. And we talked about sex, we did, but not just any kind of sex. We actually covered sex education for youths. Mm-hmm. Because for those that are tuning in, if you remember. Going through sex ed as a kid, or if you were from these parts, you probably went to Robert Crown, which is no longer Robert Crown. It is Candor Health Education. And wow, things have changed in such an amazing way with the curriculum. So, Michelle and I had the amazing opportunity to sit with both Rachel and Laura and learn exactly what the sex education curriculum is like these days for, I believe, we covered fourth through eighth Mm -hmm. grade. Sounds right. Beginning with puberty education and then. It's like more sex education getting more into it yeah. yeah and it's great because again times are changing and so is the curriculum and things the the things that they are teaching is well it's funny they probably always should have been teaching this way but yeah. you know it's a new day it's a new, new dawn, dawn and new we have day, a new, new sex dawn. education that's right, that's right so this one is really beneficial for all people tuning in but especially parents who are um who have children who are reaching the age of maybe more curiosity they're learning things hearing things mm-hmm. their bodies are changing all of those things that are happening Um, Rachel and Laura did a wonderful job to give tips, um, talk about the resources that Candor has and, um, not only for children, but for parents as well. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't even, I learned
1: a couple of things too in the conversation. My favorite tip
0: and they're going to hear it. you're, You're going to hear, but one of our favorite tips was, You know, sometimes sex can be an awkward chat, and with awkward chats, sometimes eye contact doesn't have to be (laughs) so strong. So maybe go for a drive and have the talk. So that's just one of the many zingers you guys are going to hear about. We are so grateful to Laura and to Rachel and the whole team over at for doing such great things and teaching such important things. And again, I'm going to just stress real quick. We didn't just cover puberty and sex ed. We also talked about consent and um, sexually explicit text. So we're really kind of covering the whole gambit, you guys. So maybe hop in the car, go for a ride yourself. Go on a nice freezing jaunt. It's winter now almost in Chicago. And wherever you are, get outside, get some fresh air. And we hope you enjoy today's episode. So, joining us today, we have Laura Schwartz and Rachel Simmons, but it's no longer Simmons.
2: Yeah, Bianucci now. Beautiful. Oh, is that Italian? Yeah. That's stunning. Oh,
0: congrats. Bianucci. Thank you. You're welcome. You both are joining us from Candor Health Education. Can you give us a little idea what your roles are there?
3: My name's Laura, and I'm the business development manager. And so, my main job is to let schools and school districts know all the programs that we do make sure that they are providing parents with the resources that they need, the teachers get the information they need for the programs to run really smoothly um, once our educators go into the school. It's an, an
0: important spot to, we need these resources. Yeah. Yeah. And Rachel, I assume you're the, one of the educators. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: So I'm a health educator. So my primary job is going to schools and teaching the topics. But then I also do a lot of um, development of PowerPoints and stuff like that, too.
0: Okay, within the company.
2: Yeah, yeah. So just kind of, uh, you know, as needed type mm-hmm. other stuff when we're not in schools.
0: Excellent. Now, the PowerPoint, it's bringing me back to when we went to Robert Crown. Mm. I can't remember. I'm Valida. thinking fifth or sixth grade. Who's yes. Valida? Yeah,
3: Valida was like us. the glass
0: lady. Like
3: oh, <laughs> Michelle, you will love this story. Tell me. Everybody so, that's
1: listening that went to St. John's and around here knows who Valida that's is. That's a great name.
3: Yeah, Valida. So I also went to Robert Crown in fifth grade, and okay. I vividly remember that experience Same. I mean I
0: remember walking in and being like wow what we is going
3: on? yeah and I remember being so afraid to get the permission slip signed because I did not want to talk about it with my mom mm-hmm. I knew my mom would say oh, you're not going to be my little girl anymore. And pretty much she said almost those exact words afterwards, But um, which was like devastating and not what you're supposed to be doing. Sure. Uh, <laughs> that's, lesson that's, number one. Lesson number one, yeah. <laughs> um, so I went to Robert Crown as a fifth grader, saw Valida. Then later, many years later, I was a fifth grade teacher, and I used to bring my students every year to the Robert Crown Center. Wow. So I have had the unique perspective of being a student, being a teacher that brought my students, and now being a parent of a Mm. student that is receiving these programs. So, But the story about Valida is we, in 2017, closed the center. Um, So it used to be a field trip destination. Now we go to the schools. During the pandemic, we are online. But um, when we close the center, we did not want all of these resources and these amazing um, health education tools that we had to go to waste. So Valida was sent to a health education center in India.
0: No
1: kidding. Stop. Oh, she traveled quite some she way.
3: very far. So we are very... I'm happy that Valida Oh my is still God!
1: Being well, I'm used. glad to yes. glad to know that Valida is still spreading the yes. good word of sex education <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs> the across the planet. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> so let's dive into this because you just mentioned Robert Crown. I think I was in fifth grade when I went to Robert Crown, but it is obviously no longer. So what what's with the change? And maybe we can go into a little bit of the history behind Robert Crown slash Candor.
3: Yeah. So we started in Hinsdale as a health education center in 1974. It became the Robert Crown Center so we've been serving the students of Chicagoland sex education for you know over almost 50 years amazing we candor you know that we speak candidly to our kids we speak with candor with Mm, trust and we, we wanted a one word kind of that spoke to our mission I would say and that's how we are the Canada Health Education today.
0: I love how that name originated. Mm-hmm. Now, as we know, sex ed is so important and there might be some debates about that. Like why are we teaching kids about sex ed and to what degree are we teaching them? So Rachel, what are your thoughts on the importance of sexual education to the youths?
2: Well, first of all, you know, it's super important that they understand the basics of how the body works first. Mm-hmm. And then as they get older, obviously they learn more and more. Because they're going to be exposed to more and more about what they see online, how the body works, and stuff like that. And I always give an example when they ask me, why do I have to learn this? I always say, you know, you learn numbers before you learn math. So you have to learn the body. You know, a lot of the time health classes, they talk about mental health. They talk about physical health in terms of, like, you know, PE and gym class. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time, sexual health isn't a huge part of the curriculum naturally for the school, So when we come in, at least we can give them some of the information that they're going to need eventually and also that they're probably already wondering about. Mm -hmm. But when someone comes in who's open and honest, like Mm candor, you know, we tell them straight up, like, I'm not going to make anything up if I don't know the answer. I tell you that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to scare you. We only provide the scientific information. So it's just super important that they understand the basics so that they can learn more about it as they get older. It's more age appropriate as time goes on so that they don't trust everything their friends say because yeah, right. kids believe kids mm-hmm. and that they don't trust everything on TikTok and other you know <laughs> social media. Yeah. yeah.
0: And you guys, what about parents? What about parental influence here when it comes to either their agreement in the sexual education or their disagreement? Do you have to have those kind of navigate those discussions as well?
2: Yeah, so it depends on the district and the school. Sometimes they opt out. Um so they have to sign a slip to opt out or they have to sign a slip to opt in.
0: The child does It's themselves.
2: So the the parents okay. or the guardians, Got yeah, it. so since you know they're minors, they will decide for their child if they get to sit in or not. A lot of time they do. Um but it just kind of depends. So a lot of the time we do have parent overviews so that they can see every single slide we show their children so that they can understand what we're talking about mm-hmm. and what we're not talking and about. And
1: maybe learn something.
2: Oh yeah. Yes, I have so many parents and mm-hmm. teachers that say, wow, I learned something today. Like why?
0: Like what are we learning at this day and age in our age that we didn't know? I mean, don't you
1: think there's some dudes out there that might not know? I mean, I'm, I mean, no, there was one time where he was like, where
3: does the tampon oh, go? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Why? That's the, that's a great, great segue. Yeah. Um, it really is. Yeah. About what period health? For no, menstru- just that, um, one of the questions is knowing how many openings mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. in the human body, both Um, the male human body and the female. And there are many adults that don't realize that there are three.
0: There you go. Yes. I didn't realize until going through my infertility journey that women are born with all of their eggs. Yeah. That to me was mind blowing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, You do not produce more after birth. No. Um, you're actually born with about 1 million to 3 million eggs. They're about the size of a grain of salt. Wow. Which oh, cool. is the biggest cell in the human body.
0: And isn't it is is from what I read too, and I can't wait for you to correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> that's the only cell that you can see with the naked human eye is the as an is an embryo or, or the a female egg. I don't know. Um.
2: So the, the egg you would be able to see. Right. Yes. Wow. Whereas yeah. like the sperm is 50 times smaller than an yes. egg. So you have to have it. And of microscope.
0: course, men get as much of that as they want. It <laughs> just yeah. keeps on oh, blasting yeah. out.
2: 86.4 million a day. Okay. Wow. A day. Yes. Yeah,
0: Which, would that explain why there's a
1: constant need to release it?
2: Yeah. So some of it is like... Sometimes the body just absorbs it. <laughs> you guys and then can let me sometimes know. Sometimes it leaves. Okay. This Happen. is
0: like adult sex ed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Happen it's always good here.
0: to know. We're yeah. Doing great. Yeah. Now you mentioned parents and the resources. What kind of resources does Candor have available for the parents?
3: So we used to do parent overviews in schools and we still do that. However, um, over the years, I would say the participation was declining. And so we started doing webinars. This was pre pandemic and we were getting some good participation. During the pandemic, you know, when everyone was on Zoom and getting on Google Meet, it was all of a sudden very easy for parents. They were really enjoying to have that option. However, we also then realized a recorded webinar is even better where they don't have to be on at a certain time. You know, they could watch it. So that's really the district decision. They can do a schedule, a webinar for a certain time um, and date, and it's only for the parents of that community. Or they can get our recorded webinar that they could watch at any time and then also though now we have parent resources about every single one of our programs that includes the most commonly asked questions so usually when a lot of times when administrators see that page and all the well all the information that's on there it's usually what parents want to know so they we send a letter to the district that has um, links to that page so a parent could go let's say their child is going to be in the teen sexual health class. They can click on the teen sexual health parent resources see some of the slides they see and see the 10 most commonly asked questions
0: are there any of the most can you recall off the top of your head any of the top 10 most frequently asked questions and are these by children that are at or these are parents these are parent questions okay so what are parents wondering yeah
2: so the biggest one is in our puberty program do we talk about how the sperm meets the egg or how a pregnancy begins and we don't we just talk about the cells themselves what their purpose is and that's where we end And then sometimes they ask, Well, how does it meet? And we go, That's a really good question for your trusted adult at home. Oh,
0: so you stop it even there?
2: Yes, in puberty. Only
3: for the puberty program. Got it, not for the sex ed. Right. So Mm -hmm. puberty is our fourth and fifth grade program. Got it. And it just goes through the body changes that the kids go through during puberty.
1: And I just want to say, as a parent whose kids watched that program, Boy, those they left those questions for the parents after they were like, so, okay, we get that there's the sperm and the egg and then a baby forms. They came home. And they're like, but so, like, what is the action? And I'm like, um, I'm going to wait until Candor Health comes on my podcast. Next year. <laughs> next, next year. year. Yeah, next year.
3: the Next program. Next yes,
2: next year when you're older. So
3: the next program on our continuum, it used to be called Life Begins. Mm-hmm. Now it's called Human Reproduction and Embryology. Mm-hmm. And that is the class then that explains into more detail and most um students do that that program in fifth or sixth grade
0: okay so it's fifth or sixth grade and i I just wanted to share a memory because we were talking about puberty i remember being in class and when i was going it was boys and girls together which i've read that most of the time you guys have both of them sitting together to, to learn all of
3: these curriculums so puberty it's a choice I wonder if you did our Life Begins program, because that program is always all together. Teen sexual health is all together. Puberty, I would say more districts do separate mm-hmm. um, the, the, by gender, but not. it's becoming popular to do our co-ed version as well.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the young man in my class knew all of the answers to menstruation. <laughs>
1: Good. Yeah, it, was yeah, awesome.
0: yeah. it was amazing. It was amazing. I won't say his name out loud because I'm sure a lot of listeners know who he is. But I Hilarious. learned so much from him during it. I was like, oh, my God, you are so well informed. But <laughs> it made me think that his mom was having the right kind of conversations with him. Yes. Because he was actually answering them so correctly. It wasn't like some fabricated, made up you know, answers or something silly like you put a tampon under, up your butt or something. Right. It was very educated answers. Yes. And then they were, like, really proud of him. They were like,
1: Johnny, why don't you come to the head of the class and you teach this next section? It was
0: great, but it also opened, made space for that kind of conversation, which was awkward when you're little. But even having that memory now as a 39-year-old, I'm like, God, that's pretty impressive that he was able to so proficiently talk about that.
3: Right. And that's when when districts ask. We actually just, there's two bigger districts in the Chicagoland area that just switched to the co-ed puberty program. And... There was a little hesitation, you know, so we had some discussions about it. But it promotes that sense of a community. We're all in this together. We are all changing, and it's just the there's some nuances, differences, but we're all going through major changes together.
0: And we're all gonna learn about it together, so that we're all on the same page. Well, that's what you think, right? So let's talk about a little bit. We mentioned about asking a trusted adult these questions. You know, if you go home after the puberty conversation, what happens next? Do you have suggestions for parents because I'm I'm not one yet Michelle we talked just, about like yeah. when are you when are parents having these conversations is there ever a better time how to facilitate a conversation about sex with a, a child and how what kind of advice do you have for parents who might find themselves in that moment right now
2: So a lot of what we recommend is that it's not like a one and done conversation Okay we shouldn't be the only or first time they hear about it and we shouldn't be the last time they hear about it but it's, it's hard because, you know, we do this every day and it's normal for us. But for, you know, parents or guardians, like that's new territory a lot of the time, especially if it's their, you know, firstborn or their first child mm-hmm. who's going through it. So a lot of the time, you know, it's kind of you can look at, oh, did you see, you know, that story about whatever if you're watching a show? Oh. Like, oh, what do you think of that? Have you heard of that before? Like, is this something your school has going on? And then, of course, we recommend to both our students and um. The, you know they're adults that they have the conversation in the car because you don't have to make eye contact mm-hmm. oh my god i love that tip
3: yes car so chat we can have a, a whole bunch at. of
0: different conversations while in the car
3: yes yeah and no eye know, contact every awkward conversation in the
2: yes. car <laughs> Yeah. Yep. get in the car kids we always ask you have you ever gone you? home and someone says how was your day at school and they all go yeah Yeah. And, and you say nothing like nothing happened I didn't learn anything well I say you probably expect it every day or at least once a week in which case you can say oh it was good but I actually had a question on something mm. so you know taking the times that you would naturally ask questions anyway but making it kind of like weave into something that might be a little bit more uncomfortable for some people but not being like here's your one time to ask and answer these questions But hey, you know, if you have more questions, let me know. But obviously, it depends on the person, their relationship with their young person, what makes them most comfortable. I always suggest that, you know, maybe they write it down or text it. Sometimes that's a little bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. for some people. Wow. It's a great recommendation. But it just really depends on their relationship. And, you know, we always suggest if, you know, when I teach, I might not be the person you want to ask, and that's okay. So we kind of have them think about who they would go to. Mm. Whether it's someone at school, at home, you know, they spend time in so many, um, or so much time in both of those places that they usually at least think of one person that they can go to. And we just specify, you know, don't go online unless it's like the booklet we give them, Mm -hmm. which is a reliable source or kidshealth.org or teenshealth.org. Those are good places too. Teen and teenandkidhealth.org. Yeah, kidshealth.org or teenshealth.org. They're the same. It's just there's sure. different sections on the same website.
1: You know, I just wanted to just to share a little bit about, like, my experience with opening up and having these conversations with my kids as they enter in junior high, you know, and stuff's coming up. And you had mentioned earlier about, you know, like maybe something comes up in a TV show or, or something that you see. During the pandemic, I – whenever we were literally on top of each other, I was like, you know what – Um, we're going to just, we're going to push the limits here. And we're all going to watch some shows that maybe aren't exactly. <laughs> <Bridgerton>. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did no. not. I kept Bridgerton yeah. out. But like Schitt's Creek, for example. Yeah, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we watched it as a family and wow, it opened up so many doors for great conversations oh, yeah. about things that I think would have been really awkwardly placed in moments where You know, I maybe felt ill prepared. It was a little lighter, and there was just such an engaged curiosity that that would just be my two cents on what you were saying. Like, if you can slip it in when, well, not slip slip it
0: in. That's a great, Michelle. That's a great tip, though. Yeah that's a great it was kind of a
1: i think that that was a thing during the pandemic i remember reading an article in the new york times about how it was like the title was like maybe watching age inappropriate stuff with your kids isn't so bad and that was kind of why
2: it also takes the pressure off them if you say like oh this scenario happens like what do you think about Mm -hmm. that instead of like when you run into this which is how we do our programs too we have characters that we follow so when i say oh this character is experiencing this or they're wondering this I'm really saying you all are wondering this and you're going to run into this, but I'm not addressing them as people as individuals so that they don't feel
3: as awkward. Mm. And I would also suggest, I mean, I was going to say the exact same thing we watched um, with my oldest, the outer banks during the pandemic. And, with the car. So I have three kids that are all in this like age group currently, and we're also in the pandemic. And so I knew the tip, you know, about the car. We literally weren't going anywhere. No we to go. So <laughs> I'm, my also my parent's tip is switch up when you bring it up because so first I, we were watching the Outer Banks and I, it was just my oldest and I, I kept pausing it. So in this, how did this make you feel? I <laughs> thought that was disrespectful. What did you, you know, and we would yeah. have these moments and then I realized, at one point, she's like, I, can I just watch this episode by myself? She's like, enough <laughs> with the pausing and talking about topics. And then I realized, oh, instead of the car, we're going on walks with our dogs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when, and I would usually try to do like a one-on-one walk. And we're not looking at each other. We're looking straight ahead. Totally. Straight ahead. And then I, again, I was realizing... I'm bringing this up too much. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not wanting to go on walks with me. So, kind of switching up. You know, in a movie, in a TV show, totally. in a walk, in the car.
1: Good tips, yeah. and all ones that I'm going to use. <laughs>
3: you know, like taking notes. Take a walk
1: and bring it up less. Yeah.
0: Hey, Michelle, you want to know what my favorite functional accessory is? I already know. It's that
1: Marlo and Olive Turkish towel of yours. I'm pretty obsessed with mine too. What do they call it? A
0: peshtimel? That's right, a pestamel because it is so much more than just a towel. I am totally obsessed with them. I always travel with one because they have so many uses. I use it for a blanket, a wrap, a bathing suit cover-up. Plus, there's always one in my car because every car needs a blanket, just in case. Now that's good thinking. I'm loving their hair towels.
1: They're so much better for your hair, super absorbent, and I honestly feel like it makes my hair less frizzy.
0: The pestamels are so soft and cozy. I love the idea of having a basket of them and bringing them outside to wrap ourselves with when sitting around the bonfire. And of course, I love snuggling up with one while reading my favorite book. Oh, that sounds nice. And honestly, Lauren, every human on
1: planet Earth should have a pestamel. They are so versatile. They come in a variety of patterns and sizes. Marlo and Olive will even add fleece to any pestamel to make them even more cozy. They can also custom embroider any item. These Turkish treasures make for such great gifts for everyone, from babies to bridesmaids to grandmas.
0: So this holiday season, shop local, shop small, shop women-owned businesses. Shop Marlow & Olive at www.marlowandolive.com. Oh, and for all of our Cozy Convo listeners, use our code Life to get 15% off of your very first purchase. So let's dive a little bit more into the sex ed aspect and curriculum of Candor. Um, it's I, I went and dug into that website and it's very different than when I was going to Robert Crown and I'm excited to talk about this because one of the um, topics that you covered are the five types of sexual contact that are that humans can experience Rachel do you want to dive into those five and maybe we can elaborate on discussing them
2: yeah for sure So the first one we talk about is vaginal sex, and I can define them for you as well because I mean why not? Yeah. We're here. Some people learn about this when I teach and they're like, wow, I didn't know that. You know, so contact with the vagina. There's penile sex, contact with the penis. We talk about oral sex, which is a mouth coming into contact with any external reproductive organs or internal Mm -hmm. like those openings at the base of the body. There is the anal sex, which is contact with the anus, and then there's skin-to-skin contact, which is genital contact. And we always specify this as lower reproductive areas touching or touching of the lower reproductive areas, not shaking somebody's hand. not with hands?
0: Like hand reproductive contact?
2: Yeah, that could be it too. Now, in terms of why we talk about all five is because we specify which ones can create a pregnancy and which ones can spread a sexually transmitted infection. Because if they don't think that one can cause an STI, Mm then they're not gonna more
1: be. apt to, to maybe
2: right they might it. not even know so when i was in college and i was doing um an internship at the public health district in town we would go to like the the um, residence halls and do like a condom carnival and we would talk about you know hey you have to answer this question to like win the goodie bag and one of the questions was why do you use a condom for oral sex and i can't tell you how many 18 to 22 year olds had no idea really? They're like you don't need to why would you they didn't know that that can still spread an STI because they were just worried about not getting someone pregnant or getting oh, pregnant of themselves. Of course. makes sense. So, you know, those are the five main types. Now, it gets a little nuanced when we talk about, well, if someone's hand is touching a lower reproductive area, yes, there could still be the spread of those STIs. Mm-hmm. But it gets complicated when we talk about mucous membrane. It does require most of the time some sort of access into parts of the skin that, like, if someone had like an open cut or something of like course. that. So, sometimes they ask, okay, well, what about kissing? In which case, usually the concern is something like um, general herpes or something Mm -hmm. like that. So, we do talk about that, but not in so much much detail. unless they, like, genuinely ask, like, well, what about that? Well, yes, it could, but then there's the whole mucous membrane conversation. So, it's a little complicated. But in terms of the five forms of sexual contact, those are what we talk about. And then we also define sexual intercourse, which is penile-vaginal sex. Because sometimes people say, "Oh, well, have you had sex before?" And if someone says no, because they haven't had penile-vaginal sex, but they've had oral sex, they might not know that that's still sex. Mm -hmm. They think it's just something else.
0: But it's still considered it's still considered sexual contact.
3: Exactly. Yeah. These topics are covered in our teen sexual health program, which Mm -hmm. is typically in seventh and eighth grade, and it's mainly defining it and. Ends there. It there, ends there. Yes, there's not instruction or anything.
2: Yeah, we don't teach technique. Yeah. Um, just or pleasure. The- you
0: mentioned pleasure. There's no. There's no discussion of what's pleasurable. No, it's very no. scientific. It's very scientific. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the
2: main point of that part is what can cause a pregnancy and what can spread a sexually transmitted infection. Now, if they ask, well, why would someone do that? Typically, we might say something like, well, some people are aiming to start a pregnancy. Mm. Or sometimes we'll say, like, it's supposed to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I stop it. Yes. Especially if I'm talking to the entire group. But sometimes students will come up to me individually and be like, is it supposed to be painful? Mm. In which case, I'm like, no, it's supposed to be enjoyable enjoyable for partners. That's a very good question yeah. and
0: point, because that needs to be known. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But when it comes to sexuality, does that play a role in the discussion at all?
2: Yes. So in our Teen Sexual Health 1 program, we start off talking about sexuality. And there's so many different facets to it. And we do say, you know, the two main ones you think of when you hear sex are the active sex and someone's anatomical sex. What organs do they have? But there's, you know, body image. There's all this other type of sexuality. And then we get into identity, expression, anatomical sex so we talk a bit more than just this is the body someone has and this is how it works but also we talk about you know someone might have this body but that's not how they see themselves mm. so when we talk about that it's just to give an idea of like what's the difference between orientation and expression how they don't always line up someone doesn't have to
3: dress the way that their body tells them to dress well done or society I love that. yeah it, there is a slide in our teen sexual health program when you were asking like what do adults learn when that is a slide that many adults today, many parents today could benefit from learning where it goes through the difference of sexual identity, sexual orientation, yes. gender expression, and anatomical sex. Mm-hmm. It is so well done, um, I would say, and just such um, an easy way to explain it to the kids. But every time, too, I think parents are like, Oh, oh and yeah. I love yeah. that
0: you're teaching that because even I'm, you know, just, I'm still learning all of these things now. Right.
3: We we were
2: not taught this when no, we were younger. It's kind of like, hope you figure it out. Yeah, yeah good luck. Um, but now that we use the gender bread, um, which is. Gender outside, bread? Gender bread. Not yes. to be
1: confused with wonder bread.
2: What oh, like different. it's a ginger man. Stop it's like a gingerbread it. man. Yeah. Stop so it's a gender bread person. So yes. mm-hmm. yeah, we just talk about the oh, continuum. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a line and it says, okay, well, here's you know, male reproductive organs versus female reproductive organs, but then it's an ongoing kind of continuum. So, you know, there's intersex. When we talk about expression, you can dress femininely, masculinely, anywhere in between or beyond. Mm -hmm. And I had a student the other day ask me, well, I identify as non-binary, so how do I dress? And that's the kind of question that I say, I don't have an answer for you. And that's why it's so hard for some people because they think that they have to dress the way Mm -hmm. that they feel. Mm -hmm. But you can do whatever you want, basically. Right. And they really wanted to know, how can I dress the way I feel? Like, you literally get to choose what you want. Right. And so the biggest part when we talk about the identity portion is you don't have to agree with everyone, but there has to be that respect.
0: And do you find that children these days or youth these days are both hopefully more respected and respectful and more empowered? based on these kind, this kind of education and curriculum?
2: Yeah, when we talk about expression and stuff like that, a lot of the time I'll give an example of Harry Styles who was on Vogue wearing a dress. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I talked about, you know, this person has male reproductive organs and identifies as someone who has manness, but was wearing something that historically has been something for people who are female. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the students say, well, why would that be a big deal if that's what he wore? And I'm like, it's really not. But when I generalize with generational differences, it's different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people with female reproductive organs used to kind of be told to shave certain body parts. Mm -hmm. And now that's not required. Like this is literally a choice people have. So I see a lot of the younger generation really not thinking it's a big deal. And also like, Oh, why are we talking about this? Like we know this, right? even if some of it's still new, a lot of it's not. And if I ask them a question, like they, they pretty much always get Mm -hmm. it because they've, learned it either as they grow or through programs.
0: It's like it's more like the adults need maybe some of this education mm. to be on, like yeah. the older generations. Um, we were talking about questions that kids ask. What are the types of questions that kids ask that maybe aren't part of the curriculum or that they, they maybe surprise you with?
3: Well, Rachel's thinking I'll um, I'll jump in here with some comments that I just saw after. So this is after our online puberty program, There's a section, so this is when kids are on um, with an educator on Zoom or Google Meet, however their district does it, and one of the last questions is, was there anything that you're still wondering about that we didn't get to answer for you? And just the other day in a meeting, we kind of went through some of these kids' answers. So this is this year, and these are fourth and fifth graders. Okay. And the amount of social-emotional things that came out of kids just being, it actually didn't even have to do with body changes, but more how they were feeling inside Mm -hmm. and the way they would say it. I mean, I wrote this down because it was just, one child wrote, how can I freshen my mind so I can just be happy?
0: Oh, stop. Freshen my mind.
3: Yeah. And so I just think, you know, as something else that our educators do such a good job with, I mean, you can just see, and something that I witnessed when I was a teacher and still today, I would say these Candor Health educators, you can see the students, how nervous they are, and you can see literally their shoulders it, just, just Like relaxing. Leave them. Like, well, you, you would love it. You know, you're a <laughs> your yogi. yogi teacher. Um, you can just see how they relax because of the way they approach it. It's so scientific. They use mm-hmm. scientific terms. They talk about how we're going to treat each other with respect. And kids really, in that 90 minutes, they form a trust with them because they are answering their questions candidly and so these so i would also say that kids now just they're also many of them are also they're struggling after the pandemic you know how to how to re-engage with a friend how to be social in a classroom again how to freshen my mind to feel happy. Um, I love that. You know, one, a lot of the questions after the puberty program are questions that uh, you and I probably have, mm-hmm. Michelle. Um, <laughs> how do I not act angry at my family so much? Oh. That was on, after one, in one school, two, uh, two kids wrote basically the same thing, you know. And that is another thing that they talk about in the puberty program. is just how, that your emotions. Yes. Um, and how to, so oh. I just think that is like so.
0: They're deep they're for deep. such young kids. Yes,
3: they're deep. And it just makes you realize what's going on uh-huh. they constantly. Yeah. They have constant questions. So mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when we talk about, especially most of the programs, we
2: focus on the science behind like bodily changes or how the body works. But there are so many of those social changes too. Mm. And so we do talk about, you know, with hormones, like your emotions change. And you might have mood swings or feel emotions you didn't used to. And so we talk about ways to cope with that. So take a deep breath, count to 10. Obviously, it depends on where you are your favorite thing to do is pet your dog and you're at school, you're not going to be able to do that. But they do really look for how can I manage that. And I had a student last week say, is hormones the reason why parents say that they don't want to deal with teenagers? <laughs> and I'm like, um, Again, I smart guess. Again, kids. Yeah, they, they really, they hear this stuff. They pick up on it. You know, when we look at 12, uh, 12 year olds through like 18 year olds, the biggest influencer is still their family. Mm now
1: that makes me happy Mm -hmm. yes they
2: hear what they say they're picking up on it. even if you don't think they know what you're talking about the brain processes the information as if it does know so when they hear people say like oh teenagers are such a pain or or, teenagers (laughs) are hard to deal with first of all I would agree but also (laughs) they want to know why they don't understand this hormonal change until we really talk about it because it's something you don't see it's something you feel and so that's so different that's not really something they might have yeah. learned about before. Like, how do you deal with someone who's bothering you? And like Laura said, with the pandemic, you know, they missed out on an entire year yeah. of learning socialization. So sometimes when I teach fifth graders, I'm really teaching third graders right. because they missed out on this in-person fourth grade year. That is so They're true. with people again that they saw maybe online, but they weren't having that interaction. So now they're really wondering, OK, how do I deal with it? Because when we were younger, it was like, hope you grow up to be a good person, good luck. Mm -hmm. But now we give tools, Mm -hmm. hey, this can actually help
3: you right now, but also later, too. Rachel, tell them um, the toolbox that we teach the kids in puberty. Like, we literally teach, here's tools to get you through this, period. Oh, yeah. I think that's one of my favorite parts of that program. Yeah.
2: So, actually, all classes in the sex ed continuum have some sort of toolbox or, like, wiser powers. So, especially with puberty, we talk about, like, goal setting, we talk about um, positive self-talk, trusted adult, um, gut feeling, Um, um, just, like, being able to talk to themselves and also people around them. How can you deal with these changes you're noticing? We talk about, in our human reproduction and embryology class, negotiation and compromise. You're not going to always get what you want, Mm -hmm. but you can at least try to get to a common ground that gives you at least some of what you want. You know, we talk about how you have well-being, you have self-control, you have respect. These are things you already have as a person, but now you can apply to it to a topic that you might not have thought about before. This is brilliant.
0: And these are life lessons, not just for puberty, but Mm -hmm. forever.
2: Absolutely. That's what I say, too. You know, I go in there and I say, hey, by the way, I didn't come up with this and thought, I should go to schools and tell everyone about this. There are scientifically studied skills Mm -hmm. that have been found to be effective. At times of life like puberty or young young adulthood, uh-huh. but you know, adults can use these, and I still have to practice it, even though I teach it every day. Mm-hmm. Because we weren't taught from a young age to start doing it. And, you know, obviously, the more you do it, the better you get. Yep. But I only really learned it once I started working at Candor. Love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Question for the hormones, Michelle. This might be a question you're wondering: When does the hormonal emotion stuff dissipate?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Level
0: out. I'm um, 49. Oh my god. Is there
2: like a time? <laughs> um, so the highest range of time that someone will have the most hormones is typically around puberty. So okay. people tend to start puberty anywhere from 8 to 16. Wow, and 8. And puberty can take anywhere from 3 to 8 years, but it's average about 5. Okay. So wow. that's the biggest time of hormones um, in general in the human body. So it kind of, you know, evens out with time as they get maybe into their 20s, but obviously... As humans we have cycles um whether it's a menstrual cycle or just cycle of life that sometimes it's different so i don't really have a specific answer one size
1: fits all (laughs) i'm here to tell you guys that based on the last family health visit we've got like seven years left
0: (laughs) godspeed we just started
3: oh i was just gonna say i think though that like rachel kind of you know mentioned this too is just always putting though that positive spin on this period of life like Mm. not acting like this is a negative time it's actually a time of like exploration and realizing of who they are and their interests and them getting more um having more autonomy right self-autonomy and really celebrating that and trying to I mean trust me not I'm not saying like at, no, I'm listening. House, I I'm listening. I'm <laughs> listening. Like, Confetti. Surface, and you're like you're freaking all out, the time. Yay. but I do try to remember, like you, you know, you remember when you would go out as a teenager and you felt like people, were, oh, there's so many teenagers here, and like that it was this negative. Yes. Yes. And teenagers are such amazing Agreed. people, right? right? They're like Agreed. they're sponges. They are still sponges. They are learning from everyone around so true. them. So So if we are giving them the message of you're annoying, then they're, they're mean, gonna they're be they're, they're gonna be annoying. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So before we wrap up I've got two we have two really important questions that we would love or topics that we'd like to elaborate with you. Um, These really caught our eye because this day and age and when we were younger we weren't dealing with this as much and I don't think they addressed it as much and the two things are consent and then of course sexually explicit texts. So let's start with consent. I love that you teach this. I don't remember being taught this in any curriculum
1: no no No. and no one ever told me and even
0: as an adult you go through and you're like okay well was that a gray area because I thought I freaking said no or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be or I wasn't sure or am I in the wrong and whichever one want to tackle this can you elaborate how you teach consent to students
2: yeah so in our puberty class we talk about in terms of sexual harassment you know comments gestures or actions towards someone's body especially those covered by a bathing suit And we don't really specifically say consent on the screen, but we say no one should be touched or talked about without spoken permission. Mm. As they get older, we get more into any time you do anything with anyone, especially touching, you have to get and give consent. And We define it as a freely given verbal yes. So we ask, like, do you have to get and give consent for a hug? Yes, you Mm -hmm. do. For a kiss, absolutely. As they get older into our, like, 7th, 8th grade teen sexual health programs, we have a few slides on it. It gets a little bit more in-depth in terms of sexual contact. Good. So, freely given yes, um, not afraid, not pressured. Everyone needs to be sober, so not under the influence of yeah. any excellent. drugs. Excellent, excellent. That it can be withdrawn good. at any time. So, even if two people have engaged in something and they both said yes... And if, somebody
1: changes their mind. It has to stop. And it gets revoked. you yeah. Absolutely.
2: It's yeah. not, hey, this is... I'm saying yes now and forever after. Mm -hmm. If it's a new time, if it's a new behavior, they have to give and get consent for that too. Excellent. So, hey, if they were okay with kissing, awesome. If that's all they want to do, just because they consented to that doesn't mean that they're going to consent to everything. Mm -hmm. And so we talk a lot about that. Um, You know, the absence of a no is still not a yes. Mm -hmm. You have to hear the word yes. It has to be enthusiastic. And sometimes they say, well, what if they say sure? Well, I said, well, is that a yes? No? no. Okay. Well, then right. if they say sure, you need to have that conversation, what do you mean by yeah. sure?
1: There's mm-hmm. an un in front of that, maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Really say,
2: nice. I need you to tell me yes or no. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it can't be something like you said where you think you said no. Well, that's not on that person. It's mm-hmm. on the other person to also be sure that everyone involved wants to engage in this. Exactly. And, you know, saying, oh, well, we're dating, or but I love you. Don't you feel the same about me? That's coercion. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with consent. Amazing. No one has to do anything they don't want to do just because of the <sighs> type of relationship they have.
0: I'm so grateful you guys teach this because as a woman and getting older and then navigating, you know, being in a situation where people are drinking, you're drinking or you aren't sure you feel like you're being kind of like pressured into it. You're empowering them to fucking say no. Yeah. Right.
3: It is again, like what I said about with the puberty program, you can see the young people's shoulders drop. I mean, you can see when the young women and in the program, Realize that they can say yes to a sexual um, contact one day and another day, yes. with that same person and that nothing in that relationship has changed, nothing about that person has changed, but if they want to say no the next day, that that's okay. Yes. Or just because
0: um, they're dating doesn't mean yes. they have to say yes. Exactly. Yeah, I usually exactly. ask them,
3: do
2: married couples have to get and give consent? Of course. And of course. And most of the time they say yes. Yes. But before like when I first started teaching I got a lot of no well they're they're married like but still your body is your own yeah yep. and so that is something that they see on tv that you know it's romantic to just go for it go for the kiss mm. hopefully they want it yeah and I said yeah, that looks romantic in movies, but what's more romantic in real life is making sure you're respecting that other person. Oh wow, that's completely different that than what you actually. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead and, yeah. go ahead and <laughs> Rachel, unhook your like mic that. and drop but it. But it's so <laughs> yeah. you're so right, and there
0: is this misconception that if you have a partner, you have to like fulfill the needs. Yeah. And of course, if there is that, you know, that conversation of whatever it might be, but it, there is this this thing that if you're married and there is there is sexual assault within partnerships that are long lasting and people need to realize that that's a real thing and that you have to either speak up or say no and move forward with whatever it is you're going to do.
1: Yes,
2: Yeah. Something I always mention to our classes is that no is a complete sentence. Mm. Like no is enough and no does not mean try and convince me otherwise. Yes. Mm -hmm. But even if someone doesn't say no or they freeze and they don't say anything, that's on the other person to make sure that they're communicating in a way that everyone is being respected Mm -hmm. because you can't assume And one of the um, examples I give, and I don't know if the students always understand The Bachelor or Bachelorette because they're younger, (laughs) was as many times as I've watched that show, I've only seen one time where the contestant asked, can I kiss you? Really one time? Of all the times I can remember one time. And I really wanted them to win because now now other people might do that too, but they didn't show the other ones. They showed this one. Yeah. And that was really cool. Because in movies, it's, oh, Just go Go in. Just go for it. it. But that's
3: not how real life works. Mm -hmm. And I love that no is a complete sentence. Oh my god, it is so complete. So good. But sometimes when we're younger,
2: and I I tell them this too. I said, first of all, as you get older, you stop caring what other people think as much. And every teacher always nods. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but when they're young, they do care. They want their friends to like them. They want to be accepted. They want their partners to not be mad at them. Right. They care what they think. So it's important for them to know that like you can say no. And that's enough, but maybe giving it a reason why might make you more comfortable. Like, no, I'm not in the mood. No, I'm tired. No, I don't feel well. No, You're know, not
0: comfortable doing this? There's and...
2: examples and excuses, but they don't have to give one. Exactly. And okay. so that's why when we explain it, I don't just put it on the person saying no, but also the person that's listening for mm-hmm. the no. You both have to get and give
3: it. You Love can't it. just yeah. have one person be more important. Wow. I mean, we're somewhat around the same age. I mean, the stories we all yes, have, have and imagine, oh you know, my God. now, I wonder, you know, how things will change with kids learning consent at such a young age going forward. Um, yes. Change for yes, the better. Really One of the really cool things I've heard about consent, too, um, is that we think about the pizza, how like you never order a pizza with someone without having that conversation of, the topping what you like, want on it what well, would you want yeah well you oh you want pepperoni well can we do that on half and can we do and how you know why would there be more of a conversation between two people about a pizza order uh, than what they are doing <laughs> go, ahead and unhook, go ahead and unhook
1: your go ahead and unhook your <laughs> mic and drop it yes that's yeah. so true yeah that's a really good point Great. so true
0: all right then the last um topic that I really wanted to cover because this is just terrifying is, well, it's like it's kind of a twofold thing, but both sexually explicit texts and of course, uh, Rachel, you mentioned what kids see on TikTok and even if it's maybe a a sexually suggestive TikTok that's being sent to somebody. How are you teaching children to feel protected and empowered when if they receive this kind of information? And I mean, and what you're experiencing, are, are kids really getting a ton of this stuff
2: yeah, there's a pretty high percentage that have been involved in sexting, whether they send or receive. It's about 25% um, in terms of the, the age group. I'm honestly blanking, but we define it for them, you know, sending or receiving explicit text, meaning like words or partially nude or nude photos and videos. Okay. And we don't just put it on the person sending it, but also the person asking for it. And we talk about, you know, this could be sexual harassment as as a young you know a young person who's a minor in every state this is child pornography Mm -hmm. like this is something that they do but it's dangerous Mm -hmm. because it can follow them you know with snapchat they think that it goes away well people have apps that they can take a screenshot and it doesn't tell the other person Mm -hmm. they can share it it can follow them throughout life people that they don't want it to see see it and it's not just the person sending it but hey look what this person asked me for isn't that weird or you know there's So how do you so
0: deal much. with so what are you saying in regards to the person that's receiving i get the sender but for the the recipient what what kind of discussions are we having with them what is it what part of it is their responsibility
2: so it kind of depends on the situation and their comfort but you know people get sent pictures that they don't ask for exactly or they're sending you know seeing something that they didn't want to see or they're they're being asked to, you know, talk about a certain thing or saying what they want to do or anything like that. So a lot of the time we say, you know, this is something that you'd want to let a trusted adult know about. And a big part of it is don't be afraid to get in trouble because it's better to get the help immediately rather than have it get worse. I love that. So, you know, hey, I just got asked for this or hey, I just got sent this. Like, what do I do? That's why we want to build that trust between our young people and adults so that they can go to someone because it's not something that is new for them mm-hmm. like especially now that we've been you know stuck inside for so long a lot of the time when we teach sexual health yeah we talk about the physical side but a lot of it right now is the technology mm-hmm. side even if they're not physically coming to contact they need to know how to protect themselves exactly
3: yeah and they say it's one out of four 13 to 17 year olds are receiving sexed messages and one out of seven are sending them Um, And then right now, the average age of seeing a pornographic image for the first time is age 11. Awesome. Yikes. So we also say to parents to talk to your kids about if if you say, have you seen a sext or a porn? They're going to say no. Um, to say, have you seen anything lately that just makes you feel uncomfortable? Because many times, they might be, especially at the age 11, 12, yep. they're seeing something that gives them that like feeling in their stomach of something's not right, mm-hmm. but I don't know what to say or do. It's like right, the gut curious. feeling. Mm-hmm. And, and the gut feeling you kind of spoke yeah. yeah, about so earlier. Yes, the gut
2: feeling is right 90% of the yeah.
3: time. Yeah. So just kind of opening it that way. And to you know, we talk about trying to be an askable adult. And so that your child will, will come to you when Mm. they feel uncomfortable or they know they saw something that they have questions about or, or even if they saw something that they really liked and they want to see it again. And they're wondering like, is this normal? Should I, am I too young for this? Or is this okay? Rather than hiding it because, you know, the, the rates of young people getting addicted to porn is really high right now Oh God, I
0: didn't even think about that. Yes. Well, and there's also like this aspect of, like you mentioned, they might enjoy it, but it also might really damage them depending on what the hell is being sent. It could be something violent and sexual that right. might really damage or scar them, exactly. which is sad and scary. We right. didn't have these issues no. like this.
2: They might yeah. not understand what they're looking exactly. at, and now they're confused, Exactly, yeah, or are now they... they're curious, so they look up more because they're trying to understand, but obviously pornography is not an accurate portrayal of how sex works it doesn't show consent it doesn't show risk Mm-mm. so it's not a place they should learn about it yeah of course it's natural for them to see it or look for it or enjoy it because that's how the human brain works it's getting rewarded when that dopamine releases mm-hmm. but th- there's that big conversation of i want you to know that's not how it really is
0: yes so true very like hollywood oh.
2: Yes. Very highly Very hard. edited.
3: Very, right. We talk yeah.
2: about it's a big money-making business. Right. And some of the time, you know, those videos or, or pictures might be of someone who did not say it exactly. was okay that it was posted or even recorded in the first place. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Wow. This is a lot. There is a lot. But I'm so grateful for both of you for doing this kind of work Same. because it's so important.
3: Thank you. And, you know, 85% of, a, of parents actually do want sex ed to be taught in school. So that's something else I think for parents having us come in that's kind of like the segue for them to kind of maybe have that initial conversation but like what Rachel said to keep that conversation going don't let it become just a one thing right you know I know I joke like oh that yeah save that for next year (laughs) but you know to bring it up throughout the year until hopefully candor health education comes back again I mean wow. our
0: house it was a one-stop shop my mom I remember she sat us down I think there were maybe it was me you and Nicole we, we were, were young someone's
1: but we were in, yes. I was in third and she, grade I think she showed so probably us like, like a and book half.
0: and it was like she used the term the birds and the bees she did and she used like this 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 very strange cartoon book and I remember the guys like he had kind of curly hair <laughs> and they were talking Damn. about being in love and it was so sugar-coated it wasn't the kind of sex ed that we needed. It wasn't <laughs> Maybe concrete. That,
2: right? that's, it wasn't concrete. Like, no. That's, birds and bees. They might literally think you're talking about birds and bees. Birds and bees. And bees. Yeah. There has to be that scientific medical terminology. Yes. We see, you know, cases in the news where a child is trying to say that someone was touching them inappropriately. Mm-hmm. But they use, like, cookie instead of, like, lower reproductive area. If they don't know what to call their private parts and they say, my uncle touched my cookie... No one might know what they mean, and they're asking for help, but they just don't know the correct words to use. By
0: the way, is that something that you teach children about as well, speaking to a trusted individual if they are having some sort of experience with somebody?
2: Yeah, so a lot of the time in our puberty program at the end, we do talk about that sexual harassment. And we explain if you see something like this or this happens, and also hopefully you're not the one doing this, you have to go to a trusted adult or any adult you can find yes so the situation is Clyde or Ethel's at a pool party and they overhear this and we say what's Clyde's job or Ethel's job and they say tell a trusted adult to which I say yes if their trusted adult is there otherwise they need to find any adult they can and if that adult doesn't say or they don't help or they say that's not a big deal or they don't believe find them a new one? go to the next person okay. do not waste your time don't waste your time
0: beautiful wow. ladies thank you so I learned some stuff Same. today Same. You, would, you
3: would learn a lot watching all of our I programs I need to I probably mean, look at your webinar <laughs> I yeah. think so we'll do yeah we'll do a webinar we
0: would love that
3: yeah and then something else um you know just that I don't think I think it means it means a lot to me when I think of the kids that where we go to schools um we are a nonprofit, and we try to districts pay for these programs however we try to make it so that every child can receive this program mm. so we do get grants and we apply for grants and we do fundraising so that we can provide these programs to districts in low-income areas where they might not have the money to have our programs and many times these when our kinder health educators go and talk to these children they might be the only people that have ever talked to them about wow. this they might yeah. not have the person at home mm-hmm. to talk to even though we tell them to you know identify that trusted adult it's part of the program but you know, they might just not have that person that's in their life that would engage in these conversations throughout um, their time of growing into a young adult. So um, that's the other reason I'm so thankful for our educators and that we do offer these programs regardless of the money that their school might be able to provide.
2: Yeah, yeah there's so Wonderful. many times where you get a hug at the end. Like, can I give you a hug? And I'm like, yes. So
0: they ask for the permission. They ask for consent, consent to love. give me a
2: hug, absolutely. Yeah. And then sometimes they'll come up to me and say, you know, my person at home says I'm weird when I ask about this. So what do I do? Yeah. So then, you know, I answer anything I can for them. But I also say, you know, think of someone at school. Think of anyone who's old enough to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. And that's why we do incorporate it into the program so that they can hear other people's trusted adults and see, you know, not everyone's is their mom and dad. It could be, you know, a grandparent. It could be the principal, social worker. It doesn't have to be a relative. Mm -hmm. And I think, like Laura was saying, in some of these areas where – maybe their parents aren't even around most of the time because they're busy working. Like, they need to think of who else can they go to. Mm-hmm. So making them think about it in class and hearing other people's answers can help kind of spark what they would do if they needed that question answered.
0: Excellent. Ladies, thank you so much, you. both thank of you, you. Oh. for joining us and for the work that you do. Before we leave you, where can people find Candor online and on social media if they are looking for your, your resources?
3: Yes, we are on... All the major social media channels, Facebook, uh, Instagram. We have a TikTok. We have YouTube. a TikTok now. Oh, we right just on. got a YouTube channel. Um, and we are on Pinterest because many teachers are looking for resources and they use Pinterest. So we are on there now too. Is it
0: just so, at Candor Health Ed, Ed or
3: Education? CandorHealthEd.org. Yeah, that's the website. That's the and website. Then if you
2: search Candor Health Education it'll pop on up. any social media, yeah, it'll yeah, pop up. Great, so excellent.
3: Share that with you guys. Well,
0: too. we'll have to have you on again. I feel like that we just kind of, you know, hit the tip of the iceberg here, and there's so much more to discuss. So we look forward to having you back on again. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having thank having you. Thank you, you guys. Stay cozy, okay, ladies. Ho, <laughs> <laughs> oh, ho, oh, holy cow, Michelle. Christmas is right around the corner. It's time to start shopping. It sure is time. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the type of shop
1: where I can find both the outfit and the gift.
0: You Know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. We're too busy to be going from store to store around here. But lucky for us, our favorite boutique is right down the block, Vintage Charm. Uh, talk about reducing some of the seasonal stress. You know, I hear that, and beyond the convenience factor, Vintage Charm is one of the cutest curated stores ever. It's so festive and their inventory is endless. I'm obsessed with their velvet knotted headbands and their holiday platters. Such cute gifts, but at the same time, I want it all for myself. Same,
1: I worship their dresses and so does everyone else every time I wear one. Whether you live three blocks away like myself or clear across the country, you can totally shop online or in the store.
0: Yes, and be sure to use our code, the Sister Project 15, for 15% off of your entire online or in store purchase. This code is good for one purchase until December 31st, so be sure to get your gifts and holiday outfits taken care of all at once. You'll be happy you did, and so will your to do list. And remember, when you shop at Vintage Charm, you're supporting a small, local,
1: woman owned and run business.
0: Mm, happy holidays!
1: Thank you for joining us for today's cozy conversation. For more of The Sister Project, check us out on Instagram at the thesisterproj and our website, www.thesisterprojectblog.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and maybe even drop us a review. Until next time, stay cozy.